0: I want to forget many times that my name is Sara Mardini and I just want to go outside and have fun, you know. But then you just receive an email from your lawyer,
1: destroy your day, go home. So I think these things caused me burnout. Sara Mardini. This girl has been on my radar for years. Her and her sister Yusra, who we heard from in the last episode, became known for swimming their boat to safety from Turkey to Greece after fleeing Syria. And then a year later, they were in Rio for the 2016 Olympics, where Yusra represented the refugee swimming team, which was heavily documented by international press. But it was after that trip to Rio that Sara and Yusra's lives forked in different directions. And Sara's story took a pretty dramatic turn, ending up with her and her friend Sean Binder, currently facing 25 years in prison, aged 24 and 25. From a war zone to the Olympics, from swimming for her life to asylum in Germany and one fateful day at an airport that she will never forget. Sarah's story is everything from refugee to rescuer, hero to prisoner and more. Recorded just before lockdown, I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to the Worldwide Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Jazz O'Hara. And together with some very special guests, we'll be taking you on a journey across the world without you having to go anywhere. We're here to amplify voices, from the people leaving their countries and everything behind them, to the volunteers working alongside them. We'll be hearing from those currently living in refugee camps and people working on the front line, the real heroes of today, the humans behind the statistics and the headlines. Join me as we transcend borders, nationalities, religions, and languages, to hear from the people with which we share this world our worldwide tribe. let's do it this has been a long time coming for me i feel like i know you already even though we met today what i really want to know is how are you feeling right now in life i know it's a big question but how are you uh i'm happy as well that you made it here
0: and then we finally uh, had the chance to to meet in person because i followed you also for so many years and uh, your organization i was very inspired by one woman power how am I? Uh I don't know. To be honest. I think I'm exhausted mentally, physically and uh, everything. It's just uh, I think I'm pretty burned out from everything around me.
1: I hear that a lot in the sector that we work in, right? Working in the humanitarian space. What do you think has caused that for you recently? Um
0: I was arrested last year. That's the sad part is that uh, everybody thinks that's what caused me this burnout. Mm-hmm. And that was August in it's, uh, 2018. 21st, 21st August uh, 2018, yes. Um, but unfortunately, was it was not not? Uh, I wish that was it. But I think the way life changed after it and how... I don't know, like, the thing is, you know, I'm a full-time student as well. And it's quite weird or strange for students who are 17 18 to to actually you know we only hear about these stories in the movies to be honest or they're just so far from us but at the end of the day you're in a college and you know that that girl did that and that happened to her so people put a lot of labels on me uh she's depressed um she she does not care like everybody just pointed a finger and said whatever they wanted of course no one could say it out loud but you can see it from people's eyes and and for me, I I never want to be the victim. I never did, and I never do. So I played it like that I did a lot of partying, and I tried to just cover up and cover up. And I, I thought it was going to be over very soon, everything. But then slowly, slowly, we start with the talks and campaigns. I mean, I'm very thankful. But at some point, like now recently, two days ago, actually, I got... Um, a text from a journalist asking about the story if he can do an interview with me. I said, I'm sorry, no. Just go Google it and search it and you'll find everything. The thing is, we are tired, me and Sean, to repeat ourselves all the time. Like, I think that's what's harming us right now. We're just tired. We're exhausted of saying the same exact thing Mm -hmm. over and over again. And I think it's worse that it's not changing. And it's just, we're stuck in the middle of a hurricane. Having 25 years above our head. We need to work and we need to, I need to study. And then you have to find funding for your case. So at the end of the day, I'm 24 and Sean is 25. And did you ever hear someone living that way? No. People come to you and say, I, I feel what you're going through. I hope tomorrow get better. I'm like, I don't think you are feeling anything. And then when we go to give conference on a talk, the last uh, summit I was in, Uh, It was in London. Um, We spoke. And then, you know, you you open the space for uh, questions. And then the people was like... I'm not asking questions. asking comments about stories they know as as horrible as ours. And I think I saw Sean, my friend. um, And I looked at his face. And I'm like, I don't think you're making his life any better by telling him these type of things. And there was a guy. He spoke about that he saw 250 people dead in a boat. You know, like... Mental health and therapist tells you, do not ask these things. And then you bring him to entertain other people so you mm-hmm. can create a conference. You know what I mean? So we been being used because of our stories. And at the end of the day, people just throw way more sad stories on us. So I think this is what, like, the course of everything. And the fact that I actually never took a break between any of the things that had happened. Not because I didn't. But just because life didn't happen to allow me to do so from Syria, and then I went back to Greece, and then from Greece to prison, and then from prison back here. And it's not easy to enroll back in the society, and you know it yourself. You think, yeah, it's fine, and everything will be okay, and then you just get this first hit after a couple months, and you still and you need time to blend in again and to integrate. So I think, yeah, this is what's making me just get burned out. I have a lot of supporters around me, but it's just, just tired. you know, you just want to forget about it. I want to forget many times that my name is Sarah Mardini, and I just want to go outside and have fun, you know. But then you just receive an email from your lawyer, destroy your day, go home, just
1: forget about it. So I think these things caused me burnout. What you said about people kind of telling you oh i heard about this experience of someone else that went through exactly that i totally understand that that's kind of not what you want to hear necessarily because you don't want it to kind of undermine what you're experiencing right now too right like i know that people say that kind of thing to make you feel better or hope to try and make you feel better and they're normalizing everybody's experiences by putting them all together in one category You're so right, what would be useful in this situation would be to recognise, okay, this is a shit situation and what can we actually do, you know? Like, what can we do to make sure that humanitarian work isn't being criminalised in the future? Yeah, you are becoming a kind of um, face and advocate for this cause and that that must, yeah, take its toll on you emotionally. We want to do, let us take a breath. Okay, so it might be getting a bit confusing here or you might be wondering what actually happened to Sarah. So we'll take you back to the point in Sarah's story where she made the decision to go back to the Greek island where her and her sister had first reached the shores of Europe, Lesvos. After being granted refugee status in Germany and living there for a year, Sarah wanted to go back and volunteer to help others arriving just as she had. She was the first female Syrian refugee to ever do so. After making it to the Olympics, Sarah and her sister had become an inspiration and a beacon of hope to many young refugees on the island who saw the girls as heroes and dreamed too of a life beyond the squalid refugee camps of Lesvos. Sarah volunteered with a group called ERCI, the Emergency Rescue Committee International. I don't want to make you go over the whole story but I would love to just give a bit of context for the purpose of this podcast of what we're talking about and what did happen in August
0: I arrived in Germany in September 2015 mm-hmm. I got asylum and everything and exactly a year after I went back to Greece and then um I was did,
1: What what in the, initially made you want to go back to Greece? Oh that's a,
0: one of the special stories of my life. Um I get a random Facebook message from someone I I never heard of. And, uh, and he told me, we, I would like to invite you to volunteer with us for two weeks. Um, I know you're very famous. <laughs> and you never hear this. Uh, but I just wanted to know that you inspired me and the volunteers so much. And there's actual kids asking me to teach women to become like you. Wow. So it's Ooh. really touched me. It gives me goosebumps. Exactly. And I said directly, two hours later, I'm coming. And he was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's so random. And I was actually in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, in the Olympic Games with my sister. So I, instead of flying back to Berlin, I flew back to Lazarus. Wow. From the Olympic Straight Games. Straight away. Straight away. Just like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went directly there. And um, I arrived on the island and. Um, to teach
1: swimming? That was the plan to initially go.
0: I didn't know. I just wanted to go to meet that guy and meet this kid. Period. That's it. No like, questions. Just no, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like I just didn't
0: think about any of it. And even when they, when they came in the airport to pick me up, he was like, uh, "You're shy." I'm like, "No," and I'm like, and I'm like, "Are you searching for someone called Sarah?" And he was like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Wow, I don't even know the name of the organization I'm going to." So I go there, and then. We so ERCI used to do search and rescue swimming on the shoreline and swimming classes mm-hmm. back then in twenty sixteen, but like then later we extended. But then we have medical team, we enter the refugee camps. Uh what else did we have? Oh we have the washing machine program that I started with other couple were volunteers. Mm-hmm.
1: That was so people could wash their clothes. Exactly.
0: I went to to, to the swimming classes and <laughs> I understood the whole background of the story. So apparently the therapist of the refugee camp yeah, uh, was using our story to restore hope in the kids again, to break the trauma towards the water, which actually worked because
1: wow, the
0: kids went uh, to the volunteers and they want to learn to swim. And then two weeks turned to two years and two years and a half. I just, I, feel, I think I felt for once that I was needed, um, that I, I just... It's fine to live with no money, I think, for a while, as long that I can move my mouth and help others and I'm a professional swimmer and a lifeguard. Everything I know is useful there. And then I just decided to drop everything and go there. Um my mom lost her mind when (laughs) I said she's like, Oh my god And my family just thought I'm crazy, I'm running away from life here. No one really understood what I was doing there.
1: So when you got to Lesbos, you felt like actually you were doing something with purpose, right? Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, I felt, I felt like,
1: yeah, I felt I'm doing everything I learned in my life. It was know, just so easy. Mean. It was just so easy. It made so sense. Easy. It's like you ticked all the boxes. So you were actually kind of going a little bit undercover of like mm. just getting on with teaching kids. Yeah, there. just just being a volunteer, I think. That's mm-hmm. it. You don't need to... I mean, yes, it's nice to have a
0: name, but it's, it's not about dad there. It's just about human lifting up others. That's it.
1: Yes, but something that did set you apart from the other volunteers, right, mm. is that you had experienced it.
0: Exactly. So yeah, that's what actually helped the team more. I'm from inside out. <laughs> I'm the... Uh, what do you call it rescuer and the refugee so I actually could tell them more about how is it to be on the boat uh, we can design better trainings and but I tried to keep it as as normal as I could because I just don't want to feel that I'm under pressure or anything.
1: Yeah I get that but emotionally as a volunteer who hasn't experienced that personally it's a big undertaking Mm -hmm. and a lot of stuff to take on board to experience that so I can't even imagine what it feels like if you have been through it and then you see other people going through it it must have had even more of an emotional impact on you than other volunteers right I
0: think I just uh, I didn't take it personal but I just made sure there's no mistakes because i know if there's mistakes it's disasters so uh i tried to i had a quite good coordinator and i remember the first boat landing i had there was an injured kid and i cried so bad and i wanted to go to the hospital and he was like one advice you put your heart at home and your brain when you work because you're not gonna survive like that and i actually took by his like like not fully being a human but you need to understand it's not about you it's not personal and you cannot do that with every single person in arrives because you're just going to lose your head and actually I went through with that and and I just made sure no mistakes. I love my team we're
1: super strict I love how strict we are
0: we're very efficient and that's I think that was the perfect place for me
1: okay so actually you used your experience to make sure that what you were doing was as effective as possible yeah And so you were there for two years and then it was when you were leaving Lesbos, you were at the airport, right? When
0: Yeah, um, so after two and a half years of being a volunteer, I was on and off in Lesbos. I was actually burned out again and I decided it's time to go home and I really need to focus on myself and my education. It was August 21st and uh, I was in the airport and then I was with my two of my best friends and I actually had a cat with me. I have so many cats at home from Lesbos and uh, so
1: you you accumulated cats in Lesbos
0: yeah. everybody in Lesbos you don't just live empty handed you just you, you take either kind of a animal. cat or a dog choose one child <laughs> no, no. <laughs> now they were like of smuggling yeah. so that's how I get there so um, <laughs> I was um, yeah, you know just checking in and I turned it was like a five man and they came to me um, and they said, Sarah, uh, you should come with us. They shall make Greek paper, in Greek. And they said, you should come with us to the police station. So I knew them because they are Coast Guard, because I see them every day on the shoreline. Um, and I said, sure, yeah, I'll come with you. Um, you didn't have any idea of what? No. And um, my best friend was with me, and I told her to call my coordinator because if I didn't tell them, they would think I'm in Germany. And then she asked Sean to go and check on me. So, Sean comes to the to the police station. And we sat there for so many hours. And then a lawyer shows up and said we should go to the courthouse. And then you're going to talk to the judge. And I said, okay, whatever, what's going on? So, you'd missed your flight by this point? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, just so you know, they told me, don't worry. We're going to get you another flight and you're going to go home. Back to Berlin. Back to Berlin, yeah. You know, like so there's a lot of misconducts that happen number one greek paper that i don't understand mm-hmm. and second promising lies we didn't me and sean have this so bad habit we're very um and serious sometimes so we didn't really take it seriously and sean was a fellow volunteer yes right? sean bender um he's irish not irish actually he lived in ireland he's vietnamese german cool also <laughs> son of a, his his father used to be was a refugee So someone came to us with a handcuff, and it's just so funny. I just laugh at them right now because, like, because it's just weird, you know. They are weirdly funny these things because, like, it's just you don't believe that they happened, you know. And he said, "Give me your hands," and we'd be like, "Why?" And he was like, "Give me your hands." I'm like, "What do you want?" The police officer was like, "Just give me your hands," and he shouted. So we, me and Sean, gave up our hands, and then he handcuffed us to each other. And then here we felt there's something wrong, you know, like why we're handcuffed. We go to the court, and we testify each alone. Usually it's thirty minutes. We stayed up to forty to an hour, and and there she asked me about literally everything.
1: And she wanted just come to see if you were okay, right? He yeah. he hadn't been brought to the police station exactly he just come to find you and then yep. they arrested you both yeah that's madness it's
0: crazy yeah it's crazy um yeah we testified and uh yeah there's like, so many questions like so many questions was towards me one of the weirdest questions was like um i don't think i don't think i can say that yet because we're so on track <laughs> okay don't my worry lawyer would kill me <laughs> I'll tell you later, okay. Yeah. <laughs> off oh, <frankly>. record. <laughs> um, so yeah, just asked so many questions. And then at the end of the day, I was asking the lawyer, are we going home? So many times I was asking him, you know, when you're just done with the place and you just want to go home, he tells me, I don't think you will. I think they will keep you for a couple days. And I, I my brain just don't, do not want to believe it. And then we go again to the judge in the room with Sean and two police officers and the lawyer. Mm-hmm uh so she can give us her decision and then she said you will be detained under the tra- until the trial and you have the right to appeal in five days i just broke down in tears that day because i just couldn't believe that would happen you know but i still had hope that i might go home i was just so naive uh i thought i'm in europe you know like
1: yeah there's, rules, yeah, there's rules you there's know, regulations the, exactly you know, around this kind of thing and did they tell you then what they were the charges mm-hmm. yes they said
0: um, we are accused of money laundering smuggling trafficking espionage mm. to be honest I start forgetting them uh, I said money laundering <laughs> that's, smuggling that's bad enough <laughs> oh being part of a criminal organization and fraud fraud is just a recent one they just added like a couple months ago of course I didn't take any of this seriously because there's no evidence. So you've been saying that me and Sean were in on the shoreline smuggling people while Sean was in his graduation ceremony in London and I was in class in Berlin. We didn't even know each other back then. So I didn't I still didn't believe them, you know. I know exactly what I've done and what my team was doing. We've been the most strict team on mm-hmm. island. Not a lot of organizations want to collaborate with us because we have good
1: <laughs> Sorry, nearly fell off my chair. <laughs> sorry (laughs) start that sentence again (laughs) (laughs) so uh
0: our team was not much of organizations wanted to work with us because we've been known for how much we're very close to the authorities we did everything on the alphabet you know we didn't do any mistakes because we're just clean we want to be clean so um i didn't believe any of that I mean, of that, and I, I had hope because, I, as I said, I thought, I mean, yeah, there's democracy here. Five days, I appeal, I go home. Five days, and then couple weeks, and um, two weeks, I think, and then they come to. So every day they come and give you five euros. They don't give you food in in Lasvoss, and there is not even female department. Yeah, so every day they give you five euros. So the crazy part is for me, I had my best friend on the island. I have. And I'm from a good f- family. We have, I have money, to be mm-hmm. honest. And I was I thinking about, people. Th- I was thinking about people in there. What are we gonna do with five euro a day? Eat, shower. If you smoke, this is money of. And it's just is so
1: crazy. And there's so many refugees in there who does not even know why they are there. So I'm like, how? So do- was this like a a jail? Yeah. But how could you spend your? You could buy food. Oh, in there. There's one. There's one thing can arrive anywhere in Greece delivery man <laughs> he come to the cell <laughs> So you could do like an uber eats to your day i mean, like
0: you tell the police officer what you want to eat and then <laughs> he literally comes to the cell and give you the food it's just so crazy you know it's oh just my insane God. <laughs> it's insane uh and then one day they come to give me the money and then they said you're getting transferred to athens and then here i just lost it i lost the hope i think i'm not going home anytime soon I didn't have a chance to say goodbye for Sean. Um, oh, We've been exchanging books before all the time. We write letters to each other inside the books, so we make sure we were right. Um, I got transferred to Athens. And to be honest, I was very happy I was transferred to Athens. It was a female department. It was Corrida Los, the name of it. There was no shower in the cell where I was. There was. Uh, yes, there was no bathroom. I need to ask for the man to come out and take me. To the police and they just come whenever they have time so for two weeks no shower yeah no yeah exactly i didn't shower at all yeah so when i went to athens first in my room there was shower there's bathrooms i was like that's all i need you know
1: <laughs> luxury
0: yeah and there was like some little like you know this cooking oven i'm like yes i can make food you know like i just felt like heaven to be honest and then uh, there was a lot of other girls and I just felt a bit more free because there was a garden as well. I can just see the sun. We stayed in there for three and a half months and we got released September something. September? No, December, December. It's just, you see how like I'm just mixing everything right now? It's okay, yeah. Yeah, I understand. But it wasn't bad, to be honest, it wasn't bad. The experience in there wasn't bad. Jail wasn't bad, what was bad it was the situation.
1: And not knowing what was going to happen. Oh my right? god!
0: Thank you for saying that. That's what I say. I lost ten kilos just because I was just yeah. I was just overthinking. You're... I don't know. You know, I was like, maybe I did something, but I didn't know that I did. You
1: know, second exactly. guessing your your own self.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you for saying that. I think you're the first person ever catch it directly. It just you just don't know what's going on. You know, and uh, I remember we've been in the courthouse um, in October again to testify. And I told them, take me back to Syria. I don't want to be here anymore. And everybody was like, you shut up because they will do it. I'm like, I left my home because I was suffering from unjust. And then I come to Europe and then I suffer from the same. I'm sorry. Like, I prefer then to go back home. Yeah, I was just so devastated because all oh my team, we've been five for, get arrested, all crying in the courthouse with our families. Like, these people are heroes for me. I learned everything from them. And it just broke my heart to see them all in this situation. But I met great people in jail. And everybody told me they were innocent. And I'm like, if we're all innocent, then who's who's guilty? (laughs) And actually, they've been all innocent. They're all free now. So it just, I wish I can talk about it more. But hopefully when I get my innocence, Mm -hmm. I will speak up about these issues as well. And I believe everything happened for a reason. And I was sent there for a reason as well.
1: I believe it too. Yeah, And I believe that I know that it's difficult now in the midst of it, but that this happening to you and your voice is going to be so important for the future because the acts that have been happening in the last few years, the criminalisation of volunteers and humanitarian work is shockingly wrong. And to be able to speak up against that is going to be so powerful. But I understand that, yeah, right now you're still in the middle of it so what is the status of your case now nothing
0: we're just waiting um i think last summer last year around this time they added a new crime which is fraud it's just so weird i just thought it's weird i mean people think i'm crazy saying that but i say i'm just missing weapons prostitution and (laughs) drugs and i will be the best criminal on earth yeah but it's just stupid you know They said we created a fake uh, website so we can collect money from people online. And I'm like, the good
1: thing about it being so ridiculous is that when it does go to trial or to court or whatever, then it will show that it's, it's, there's no evidence at all, right? That they can't, none of this can be proved. So actually, in a way, the more crazy it sounds on their part, the more you can be like, so far from the the actual truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And are you feeling confident? I am, but I'm not feeling confident being back there. To be mm-hmm. honest,
0: before the trial, we have to go testify again, and I'm pretty scared of going down there. Um, because who put you for three and a half months in the first place with no evidence? Who could do could mm-hmm. do it again? So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm. To be honest, I'm terrified of going back to Greece uh, before my trial, but. Fun fact, I'm banned. <laughs> I'm a threat to the national security. So you're banned from Greece, but you
1: have to go back. How does that work? Okay. <laughs> exactly.
0: That's what my lawyer tried to explain to the government. That the judge wanted me to come and testify, but the government says I'm a threat to the national security. So I said, okay, it's your problem. Oh, we're out of this. Yeah. When you make a decision, please let us know.
1: I mean, yeah. So many like loopholes and just yeah, a load yeah. of bullshit, basically. They're just making it complicated for themselves, not for us, actually. Yeah. Um, and do you feel like it's brought you and Sean, for example, super close? Me and Sean, we were super close before, actually. Um, and I think
0: this is what uh, made the case a little bit more um, dramatic for the police. I think they could net the story because me and Sean were super close. We had the same room. we He's a German and I have a German refugee status. Mm-hmm. We rented a car. We have same contract with same names, with both of us names so like you know they just did this network of smugglers together mm. and we've been always uh, close because um i was supposed to leave earlier but because sean stayed i stayed longer so he's my always mm. buddy yeah
1: well i'm grateful that you have each other yeah, through this yeah. why do you think that they did single you two out
0: uh what do you mean by like
1: why do you think that this did happen to you two out of all of the volunteers on Mm lesbos over the years Mm. to be honest i don't think
0: it's it's a weird situation i don't think the greek government knew who i am when they did it and then later it was like oops Okay. they figure out um so kind of random it was kind of random but the whole thing is not about me and sean is the thing is that they believe that by stopping volunteers from volunteering and doing what they're doing people will stop coming but i have one answer for that and i said it actually on bbc when i came in 2015 there was nobody on the show line. i didn't even know they existed of volunteerism or the humanitarians
1: and you still came
0: exactly i'm not gonna cross on the board uh, on a boat and dinghy in the water for three and a
1: half hours because you're gonna give me a water bottle or blanket i don't need that dude that's the crazy thing that I think is the mindset for a lot of European countries. It's like, oh, you're creating a pull factor. But the thing is... They're coming anyway, They're coming darling. anyway.
0: Exactly. They're coming anyway. And I, we start coming as humanitarian volunteers after we're refugees came.
1: Exactly. We're that way around. Like,
0: we're like, oh, I'm going to just quit everything. I sit here till the refugees just yeah. start coming. We're <laughs> just waiting for a problem to arise.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a mad thought process. You're yeah. absolutely right. And you saying it like that is like i think yeah exactly this
0: is the perfect thing about being a refugee like i don't think
1: anyone would be saying this better than this Yeah, yeah you're so right that that's your power that you do have that perspective yeah so let's just pause here again and go over the story so far So it was on her way home to her family in Germany after months of handing out blankets and bottles of water on the shores of Lesbos that Sarah was arrested and charged with a slew of serious accusations and held in jail for a total of four months with no evidence against her. Since being granted bail, Sarah has gone back to her studies. And not just this, she's also set up a group called Shore Talks at her university in Berlin to raise awareness about the situation for refugees arriving to Europe's shores. She also gives many talks and has become a spokesperson on the criminalization of humanitarian work. I am really interested in how you have felt coming back to your normal life in Berlin, going to university studying international relations and art, right? Um, and the the people around you, yeah, they do have a very different reference point to where to getting to where you are now right your background and their backgrounds as we we're all different but do you feel like you do look around and think oh you don't understand my situation right now how do you deal with that um I think well um I do I do <laughs> every day I do
0: every day I go home like this college I don't belong here I should go and then the next day I just go there I'm like oh that was a great class <laughs> good so I think that I'm gaining knowledge but I'm also giving knowledge at the beginning I didn't share my story I didn't share anything but then a couple of students saw through my Instagram and these students are actually in Greece right I'm volunteering so I influenced and at the same time this is have like, positive and negative. And the negative one is that I am the center of attention. I see it in mm-hmm. the people's eyes, you know. It's a, it's a thing, you know, in university and schools, how, like, people just spread news between each other. Mm-hmm. And I entered this year with, like, I'm not even going to mention my own experience in the classes. I just want to be the same level like everyone else. Of course, someone spread it, and then everybody knows. But what I do, I try to break down my story. I don't really bring it up in the class because I don't want the student to feel that they're uncomfortable i still have two more years in the school so i said instead of fighting it i'm gonna bring it i'm gonna teach it to the to the students and we have a huge response uh so basically we collect uh, clothes because people always have extra clothes and we just ship it to degrees period because everything else might be criminalized so let's not do it and then i i love talking i love public speaking so i came with the idea of short talk and the fact also that there's always someone visiting but my friends, activists, and I know a lot of great people, and I'm like, it's a pity that the students does not hear it. people their age, experiences. So then whenever a friend is coming, I know in advance, I'm just like, okay, we make such a make a talk, and you're going to come and share your experience. And actually, last Thursday, we had uh, Dan, uh, he's a professor for, he's a, he used to be a refugee, f- went from Romania to US, became professor. So this is, I think, how, how I'm trying to break it down. I'm trying to control it. But this is cool. But in life in general, when I have hard days, forget it. I cannot turn to anyone around me because it's, it's, not, it's not their fault, to be honest. It's just hard. You know, you cannot understand. And I think if I talk to you, I understand. I talk to my best friend, I understand. So that's why I stopped sharing. And I think I just go to my mom. My mom's just like, it's okay. It's okay. She don't say anything. So I'm like, I think this is the best. That's what I need.
1: Sometimes you just need someone to listen. Exactly, yeah. And not have a comment or an answer or try and fix it, just to listen.
0: Like I'm very lucky. I have Sean, I have Claudia, I have my boyfriend and my friends and uh, they all listen. But they don't understand all of them, but they listen. But so that's okay, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. What a story, mate. What Thank a story. You. And I'm glad that like you do have actually the support of the international community yes. and the media, right? Yeah. That yeah. Like, Amnesty International has been fighting your case. Yeah, they have the Right for Rights campaign. And there's so many people stood up, to
0: be honest, which is beautiful. Even the refugees themselves. My mom phone was reading 24 hours, telling her, do you know what your daughter did to me? I want her back. So it was beautiful how solidarity and and I didn't know, but I actually had my own army. It was crazy. But like what a human body or human being by themselves could do. Like it just was so inspiring to see my friends standing up in the street demonstrating. And half of them became lawyers. I don't know from how. So I think um, we do a lot of volunteering and do things for free. And we think we're not gaining anything. But I don't think so. Because if you are in this situation, even if we just met today, if I heard something like that I would do something because one way or another we are connected. You know, we we have the same cause. We believe in the same morals and things. Even if you're not volunteer on the shoreline, you know, we just just be good. Make good and I think that's it. So we're not gonna go out in the street and demonstrate anymore. I'm tired of that. I shouted and been speaking about these topics for the past four years and I, I just can't do it anymore. You see now twelve years old goes out on like extension rebellions, demonstrations. But if we want to talk about our situation for the migration, you can go home and say, Hey mom, do you know that one, two, three, four, five thing mm-hmm. happens in the in Glasgow today, for example? And you bring something into the house and then when you actually talk about it, we always grab the attention of our parents. And Slowly, slowly we'll leave an impact. We can not change the world, but we can change our family, our friend mindset. And it's a ripple, Exactly. Right? It's a ripple. It gives an echo.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One, you impact one person and that person might impact two people and so and so. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. the impact that you, as you said, have already had in this short space of time and your short lifetime is already huge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you could go back to that first journey to lesbos from rio to lesbos would you do it all again absolutely i would do it
0: but i'm not gonna work there anymore this is also something we do as a a activist Uh, we find our zone and we're stuck in it and forget other places there's so many places around the world maybe it's india my next step Mm -hmm. who knows maybe africa maybe middle
1: east Absolutely. And the thing is, the beautiful thing is that, yes, you might be coming from Syria, but actually there are people fleeing the world's atrocities from, you know, compulsory military service in Eritrea or the Taliban in Afghanistan or whatever it might be. And actually you have this common um, underlying like we're human and we just Mm -hmm. want a normal life yeah you're absolutely right that like really the world is your oyster now that you've started here but who knows where that will take you or what will happen next yeah
0: absolutely i think people should just start to come out of their comfort zone just do something stop telling me i hope tomorrow is better i don't want to hear hope word anymore do something, because it might be you next my darling
1: exactly
0: that's what i always say to the people i spoke in universities and in, in the us it's like, how does it feel to be a refugee i told them i had everything you had snap like this i'm a refugee and even so it's not a bad thing i always say that word refugee is a weapon and when i say that everybody's like what do you mean i'm like you actually with someone who lost everything and they can start from any point in life tell me what do you find more powerful than this
1: That's and the end. Yeah, right? I think that you nailed it, mate. Thank you. you
0: absolute Thank you. star. I loved your questions.
1: Sarah's case is one in a string of humanitarian workers being charged with crimes for helping refugees in recent years. Saving lives and helping people with basic human needs should never be criminalised. Refugees are currently more vulnerable than ever. Living without basic sanitation, access to running water or even a home to isolate in, it's often impossible for them to adhere to guidelines in relation to the current pandemic. If you're interested in supporting refugees through this time, check out our friends at Better Days, operating in Lesbos, and of course our friends Choose Love, who support refugees globally. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. It will really help more people to find this podcast and for me to get more stories out there. let me know your thoughts and what you'd like to hear more of over the next few weeks message me on instagram at the worldwide tribe the more people who come on this journey with us the more connected we all become and the more we unite as one worldwide tribe